Good morning, everyone. We committed this academic year at Asbury to consider the life of servanthood. And I want to thank Community Formation because, honestly, I can't think of a more important formational focus than servanthood, particularly in an academic environment such as ours. You see, higher ed, by its very nature, makes us rather self-absorbed, especially when it's about our goals that we're after here. We attend to our research and our projects, our proposals, our programs, our exams, our sides of the argument, our grades. I even have students that don't like to be in groups because it would mess up their GPA. I once heard a student say that the most competitive space on campus is in the classroom. I just told them that they haven't even seen what goes on in the faculty and administrative offices. <laughs> what does servanthood really look like in the classroom? What does it really look like in those department and administrative offices? What does it look like in a Christian academic community like ours? As always, the place that we turn to get a look at servanthood has got to be the person of Jesus. Paul said that in Philippians 2.7, as you remember, that Jesus took on the very nature of servanthood. That's not a false appearance. It means the core of who he was is about servanthood. But Jesus, not but, and it really seems to fit what Jesus said about himself. You remember Matthew 20, 28, where he says, For the Son of Man came not to, serve, not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's that kind of verse that makes what comes later in Matthew really compelling to me. Here we find Jesus castigating the religious leaders of the day. Listen again to a few of those lines from Jesus' Matthew 23 denunciation, because we can't say it any other way. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside, and then outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, just full of dead bones. Everything is unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're just full of hypocrisy, full of wickedness. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Are these words of a servant? I'd like to suggest to you that they actually are. If you want real servanthood, I think you have to include this example. We typically see servanthood as saying yes to others, even at cost to ourselves, and it is. I want to say that very clearly. It is indeed that. But I also want to say just as forcefully as I can, it's much, much more. Being a real servant like Jesus was a servant always includes the ability to say no as well as yes to others. Servanthood is not about compliance. It's not about submission. It's really not about just being nice to everybody around you, although that's kind of the watered-down version. Let's take a look at this story, if you will. It's a true story. See what you think. 
gonna be a surprise, so be here by seven. Well, Jack said he didn't want a party. Now he suddenly does. Yeah, so I'm just keeping everything real simple. Just gonna be birthday cake and punch, but Jack will be happy. Oh yeah. Oh, would you look at that. Harry just took down the dead elm in the back. Huh, so what? Oh, the cake, oh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a chocolate pecan espresso cake. <sighs> Takes forever to make, but Jack loves it. Oh yeah, real rich. Dark chocolate. Really? When'd you get acid reflux? So no chocolate, huh? Well, that's no good. Well, would you like something else, like a pie? You like apple pie? No, no, it is no trouble, no siree. I want you to have a good time at this party. Yeah, okay. oh, Harry just came in. Yeah, he's standing here waiting. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. You got another elm that's going to need to come down by next year. Tell Jack to give me a call. I can show him the rock. Okay, I'll tell him. Now, you are coming to Jack's party tomorrow night. I left Patty a message on your voicemail. Yeah, she said something about that. So, uh, the kid's finally turning 50, eh? Yeah, and he didn't let on he wanted a party until last night. But Now, you guys, you don't have any food you can't eat, do you? Oh, no, no. I'll eat anything. Oh, good. Because I'm having a chocolate pecan espresso cake. Is that all right with you? Oh, yeah. Fine with me. And Patty can just pick out the nuts because they give her hives. Hives? Oh, that's no good. Well, does she like apple pie? No, not really. She likes pound cake. Pound cake? Well, I could make that. Oh, don't go to all that trouble. Patty will make do. No, I remember that dinner over at Angie and Sam's when Angie served pork chops. Yeah, well, Patty hates pork chops. Well, things weren't too good between her and Angie that night. Things aren't too good between her and Angie, period. I think pound cake is just the ticket. Well, all right then. <laughs> She'll look forward to that. Yeah. Oh, I saw Kathy Cunningham down at the pharmacy. She said she's coming and bringing a cherry pie. Now, why is she doing that? You think that's what she wants to have, if that's what she's bringing? Oh, that's no good. I'll call her. Okay, then. Well, I, I better get going. Tell okay. Jack to give me a call when he gets home. Oh, yeah. And here, this is for you. Oh, no, no, no. You're not paying me for that. That was a lot of work. You, we got to give you something. Nah. Tell you what, though. You could make me some of that pumpkin pie that you had last Christmas. You betcha. I'll make it for tomorrow night at the party. Okay, then. It'll be a great party. All righty. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Brenda. I thought it was you. Yeah, are you coming? Oh, good. Now, I'm, I'm having a chocolate pecan espresso cake. Is that okay with you? Well, well, let me tell you about a few other choices we'll have. That's no problem. Well, would raisins be okay? Currants. Yeah, I could think I could find those. Now, with the root canal, are you allowed to drink anything? Well, I'm having a ginger ale punch. Well, what would you like to have? Kumquat. Yeah, I could probably find that. Flambe. No, I've never heard of that. Now, is that one of those things you serve with a little umbrella? Well, sure this time. 
I mean, I've still got two hours till the party. No, you tell me what you'd like to have. Common. Jack's backing in the driveway. We got the lights out. You ready to come out and surprise him? Yeah, I just need to put this out with the rest of the things. Can you move those hot cans right over there? Okay, now I've got four cakes, three pies, the flambe burnt up in the sink, but I've got brownies, three versions of punch, and a mango. Okay, can you get the candles? The Jack's cake? Jack's cake. I forgot to make it. I want to thank Jim Shores and Carol Anderson Shores for helping with their talents for the video. And also Don Mink, who's over at the, the college, the university as well, for helping to produce and direct this short little piece for us this morning. It's a true story. And um, for Carmen, though, servanthood is all about saying yes. She seems to be compelled to do so. She can't imagine saying no to the needs and the wants of the other people that are going to be in her life. No just doesn't feel very loving. In the end, Carmen loses the opportunity to say yes to Jack, the one who's actually having the birthday, the one who the party is for. Her most important yes to the one she loves gets lost because of her inability to say no to anybody else. If servanthood is only about yes, and we lose the ability to say no, We will lose our focus on what God is doing and ultimately lose the ability to say yes to him. Remember, this is his party. Remember, he's the one that needs to focus. It's his agenda. All we do from relationship to relationship is really just about making space for him and his movement. Jesus actually spoke about servanthood to God first and how the rest flows from this foundational and formational yes. Remember John 5, 19, where Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. See, there is this superordinate yes to the Father that guides the rest of Jesus' yeses and noes. It works the same way for us, actually. There are times when there are times that truth is spoken as a yes, and there are times when truth is spoken as a no. We can't lose either response or we're actually restricting the space that God the Father might need for the agenda that he has for that situation. Referencing Ephesians 4.15 that we read earlier, making space for God happens when we speak the truth in love. And if we take our cues from Jesus... There are a lot of truthful yeses to others, but there are also strategic moments that the Father needs a no for the work that he's trying to do. Servanthood seems to require those times when we come alongside and bear burdens with people. But servanthood also requires those times when we insist that others learn to carry their own load. Servanthood requires those times when we say yes to the less fortunate, even at cost to ourselves. But servanthood cannot be real service 
unless like Moses' father Jethro, we love the person in front of us enough to say, what you're doing is not good. That's what Jesus is declaring to the religious leaders in his denunciation. Is he angry? Of course he is. You can't say those kind of words and not be angry. But his angry language and his tone are about creating the conditions in the midst of all the institutionalized fear for God to be seen and heard. He's not just venting here. In the only way that the Pharisees can hear it, Jesus forcefully, forcefully and truthfully says, no, all his woes are strategic no's, intentionally intended to create space for his father to move. See, Jesus wants the Pharisees to know the father too. He's not just blasting them. There's an, his intention is for them to know the father. That's always Jesus' motivation. He's angry. He's saying no, but he's actually choosing love. True servanthood is as much about tough love as tender love. If it loses any part of that dynamic unity, it ceases to be servanthood and it becomes some, some manipulative facsimile. Oh, I wish we had time to reflect on the practical differences between those issues of, of uh, saying yes and no I think there are clues we can see in Jesus' life that inform how we do it. But for now, let me just suggest that finding that balance is all about being grounded in our formation in the image of God for the sake of others. That formation is founded on a life of yes to the Father and trusting in those moments when he asks for those no's to others. Sometimes saying no to powerful others around us. Sometimes saying no to weak others around us. Those no moments are embedded in a superordinate yes to God. Well-formed servanthood is grounded in our experience of God from moment to moment. It's this spirit-dependent life that guides yeses and nos that come out of our mouth. It's then that we participate in what the Father is doing from one relational moment, from one relational encounter to the next. So as we come to Eucharist today, we take the elements realizing that the one who had the ability to say yes or no to this self-sacrifice said yes in obedience to his Father. He'd been practicing a life of yes to God in all circumstances, even ones that meant saying no at times to himself and to others. So that in this moment, his self-sacrificing yes saves us all. We come today to celebrate the strategic yeses and nos of the suffering servant. Would you join me?